Good morning, good afternoon. Welcome to Grapevine Ministries. My name is Phil Barker, and today we'll be speaking about the Word of God, covering everything from Genesis to Revelation. And I hope and pray that you enjoy these sermons, and I look forward to hearing from you comments about the messages that we bring forth. Hello and welcome to Grapevine Ministry Podcast. I'm Phil Barker and I hope and pray that this message through the Word of Faith will assist you in your spiritual growth. Please just sit down and enjoy the message today and I just believe that you will get something out of this. So enjoy the message from Grapevine Ministries and once again, I am Pastor Phil Barker. Have a good day. I hope everybody is having a good day. And I just want to uh, start off uh, this morning with something a little bit different. Because I was in church the other day and my pastor in particular was talking about the meaning of Christmas and why everybody expects us to come up with a, uh, a Christmas message every year about the birth of Jesus Christ. Which is fair enough, I mean, because that's what it's all about. But not, not, it, how would I put this? It's not as simple as what you think it is because the story is simple. The story is about the birth of Jesus Christ. So it's not like you can actually have a different story about the same thing because we know what has actually happened. So today I'm, I'm not so much going to um, start a sermon, but more along the lines of a series of questions which will enable us to think and to reflect on what Christmas is all about. So from your own personal perspective, what you think Christmas is really about but I'm just going to give you some of the, you know, the, the raw data to actually put together. And so you personally can actually see what Christmas is all about from your perspective. Now don't panic because, you know, I'm also going to attempt to answer these age old questions as well. And, you know, it's not like at school where there's going to be an exam afterwards. All right. You see, all through my childhood and even into my adulthood, I always needed to know the answers. It was just something that's hardwired into me. I have to know the answer. Now, we may not get through it all today, so I may do this in two parts. We'll just see how we go. You know, so just buckle down, listen to this, and, and we'll see, see where we end up. Because I think it's important that we actually understand that it's not necessarily knowing the answers, but it's also more about understanding the purpose behind the questions in the first place. So what does it mean? Let's, let's just look at this from, you know, you know the Ten Commandments, it's good, but what does it mean? The same can be said about the Lord's Prayer, or knowing that there is a Father, a Son, and a Holy Spirit. What does that mean? When I went through the Bible college, I didn't just want to learn Scripture. I wanted to know what it meant. So I would 
I would ask over and over again, I'd be asking these questions all the time. What does it mean? To know the true meaning of Christmas, you need to ask yourself, what does it mean? So let's start with the most beautiful passage in the Bible in relation to Christmas. The, well, my personal opinion, you know, some may say that they, they find another scripture that explains this a little bit better, but it's entirely up to you how you perceive this. But this is what I, I believe. I, I reckon this is the most beautiful passage in the Bible in relation to Christmas. And I would have to say that Luke chapter 2 verse 11, which reads this, Today, in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. But what does that mean? Realistically, look at this from a perspective where you've got to break it down into its, it, into its sections. Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. This is the Messiah, the Lord, but what does it truly mean? What does it mean to be a Saviour? Well, the Lord, the Messiah is our saviour. So as I unpack this, I want you to look at this uh, particular passage of scripture and you can ask yourself, what does it mean? And as I explain these key words, perhaps you can see um, that the words and the scriptures and, and Christmas is all seen in a totally different light for you this year. I want you to reflect on that and to see from your perspective what you actually truly think it means. As a Bible college student and then a teacher and a pastor, I get asked this over and over again. It's only through studying the Word and spending time with Him that I can really get the true understanding of His Word. But today, I'm going to try and unpack this passage for you. So I ask you, what do you think a saviour is? And in most people's eyes, okay, all they're going to do is say, well, that's someone who saves. Well, that's a really, really basic and simple answer. But you're right. But you're only partly right. When you say that someone saves... What do they save you from? A saviour is someone who saves you from danger. But what is danger? To different people, that means different things. Because I served in the military, I was always told to look at things from a different perspective. So what's, what's danger to you is not necessarily danger to me. It's part of my job. It's the same as if you're a firefighter. Most people run out of a burning building, but firemen run into a burning building. So what is danger? If you hit your head in the pool and you're unconscious and you, and there's a fear that you're actually drowning, uh, then he or she that jumps in that pulls you out and resuscitates you, they're a saviour. So... That gives you an idea of, of what a saviour really actually is. It's someone who rescues you or saves you from danger. They are a saviour. 
So when the angel spoke to the shepherd on that very first Christmas, they said, A Saviour has been born to you. That Jesus would be the one that would rescue us from danger. But then again, what danger are they talking about? So this is what we need to go a little bit deeper into the actual word of this. Because I've looked at what danger is in the natural. But here the angels are talking to the shepherds and they're actually looking at danger from a different perspective. Now according to the Bible, danger is sin. So why is sin so dangerous? Well, because it separates us from God. So someone said, well, what's so bad about that? If we're separated from God, we go to hell. But some would say, well, what's so bad about that? Well, because God's not there. So once again, is that a bad thing? Well, if you're like me and you believe the word of God, there's only one option, heaven or hell. So you've got two choices, heaven or hell. But for me, my option is heaven. And if you're not a believer and you're listening to this, I encourage you to keep an open mind and keep listening because this is vitally important for you to understand because God has given you free will. So God has actually put you in a position, a unique position, where once you get all the facts, then you can actually make your own decision. And that's what you need to do. You need to make your own decision for whether you want Christ in your life or whether you don't. Do you want him to be your saviour? If you want a relationship with Jesus, with God, you need to know why this is important. So then you need to understand how you can formulate your own understanding of this particular passage of Scripture. So why is hell so bad? Well, here is the real danger. In hell there's no happiness, there's no comfort, there's no friendship, there's no laughter, and no one is healthy. And no one can get you out of danger. Everyone feels guilty, ashamed, angry, bitter, aggressive. There's nothing good, and that is why sin is so dangerous. If one sin makes us worthy of being separated from God, because the wages of sin is death, so what both you and I need more than anything else in the world is a saviour. Someone who can rescue us from danger. But like I said earlier, the good news is Luke 2.11. Our Saviour was born for you. So this Christmas, amongst all the presents, family and celebrations, let's celebrate the birth of our Saviour. Because that, I believe, is more important than anything else. Yeah, I'm, look, don't get me wrong. I love presents. I love celebrations. Yeah, and the time at the moment in what's going on around the world, if you have the opportunity to have family around you, it's nothing more precious. 
But that's not what I'm saying. I'm actually saying that spirit, soul, and body, you need that relationship with God in your life. He needs to be the center of your life. You need to make sure that you put him first and foremost and everything say and everything you do, and then everything else will be added unto you. So now I hope and I pray that you still are listening and you're still knowing the need for our Saviour wasn't too harsh. But let's take a lighter note now and let's look at the birth. You see, now that's more exciting. Now that people can actually get a better understanding of. People can actually get there and think, wow, a birth. Okay, Now we all know what that is. And we all know what joy it brings. So let's ask ourselves again that same question. What does it mean to be born? Now I know what you're thinking, Pastor. Oh, hey, look, everybody knows what it's being born. Mary pushed, Joseph panicked, and Jesus popped out, and well, there you go. <laughs> but there's another way of looking at this. Our Saviour was born. God was born. How was it possible that our divine Lord and Saviour, Jesus, was born of a woman? How can this be? And how can this be something that we needed to have happen in our lives? I can tell you right now, this is going to make listeners happy. I have no idea. (laughs) No, seriously, I have no idea. I have looked at this from so many different perspectives, and you think, why was this done? Well, I have a little bit of an insight, and so I'm I'm just going to go with it, and you just let me know what you think. Just try and visualize it from a worldly perspective, all right? How can our Lord, who can't be contained in the galaxy, the universe, has? how can he be contained in the womb of a woman and be born into a physical world? I don't know about that, but my brain just can't comprehend this. But thankfully, the Bible gives us some insight into how and why this actually happened. I hope you're enjoying today's message. Thanks for tuning in. I'm praying for you today as you spend time in the Word that your faith continues to grow and strengthen. Grapevine Ministries relies on the support of listeners like you. Your generosity helps us continue spreading the word and making a positive impact. You can visit our website at grapevineministries.buzzsprout.com or follow the links in my bio if you feel led to give. You can also support this ministry by subscribing and sharing this episode. And now, without further delay, let's jump back into the Word of God.
So if we look at this from, from, from the biblical perspective, but from a, you know, you, you first, first you've got to look at it from both sides, okay? Look at it from a more practical sense that God gets it. He could, he could actually understand what was needed here. But knowing what we needed was something that he needed to actually put forward with us a lot more clearly. Let's put it this way, okay? I've been a pastor for many, many years, and I've done so many, you know, um, Christian, you know Christian counseling sessions, and uh, I've uh, you know, done pre-marriage counseling, and I've spoken to people that are having difficulties with their marriage, and you always find, you know, a scripture that can help that person. But is that really what they need? Is that really what is going to actually help them? So people want me to go through the counseling session with them to have understanding, to be empathetic and have compassion. God was and is no different. I don't always do or say much and sometimes just being able to listen to these people and what challenges that they're having in their life is more important than anything else and they get to leave my office happier and they get on with going through their life now did I actually do something in the natural. I may have given them some scriptures to support um, their thinking or their understanding of what was going on. I may have just been a sympathetic ear. Just the fact that sometimes just sharing, you know, with their own, you know, free volition of, of what's going on in their life has a way of doing things. So this Christmas, I want you to now look at this. I want you to know that because Jesus was born, he gets it. He gets what it is like to be to come into a complicated world. He knows what it's like to be part of a family that doesn't always understand him. He knows what it's like to be portrayed by a friend, to be abandoned by people he thought he could trust. He's been a, a victim of injustice and he's been slandered and he's been misunderstood. So when you pray to Jesus on any day that you're going through a tough time, he doesn't scratch his head trying to understand. He actually gets it. He looks right into you knowing what you're dealing with. And there is a scripture that helps explain this in Hebrews 4.15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. So, I truly believe now this is my own personal opinion 
that Jesus was born of a woman, a virgin. But he was conceived by God. So when he came into this world, he was without sin. But even from a baby, right through until he started his ministry, every single part about his life, he lived the same way that we lived it. And he never sinned because he didn't have that seed, that sin seed in him to be able to be manifested and to grow and to fester and to, you know, get to a stage. It, it's like when, when you're a young child and you're growing up in your, in your household or, you know, if you're uh, been unfortunate to be one of those people that hasn't got a mum and a dad and, and you've grown up in foster care or in a home or whatever, the same principles arrive. As you're growing up, you need to learn the difference between right and wrong. And so you need someone to teach you this. And you need someone to actually show you the right path. And as you go through life, things happen. Now, it never really states these sort of things in the Bible. It doesn't really clearly define the sort of childhood that Jesus had. But, I mean, you know, you look at your own childhood and you think of all the things that could have happened and the things that would have taken place in his life. And you sometimes think to yourself, well, okay, well, he had to do what I had to do, you know. He had to go to kindergarten. He had to go to preschool. He had to be educated, he had to learn a trade, he had to actually do these type of things. So he had to, you know, you know, learn to grow up and he had to learn to put on his own clothes and he had to go from town to town to do his chores and whatever type thing. So he gets it. See, that's what it says here in Hebrews 4.15. For we don't have a high priest who is unable to emphasize empathize with our weaknesses but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are and yet he did not sin so he actually lived amongst us and I personally believe that the reason rather than him just being manifested here on earth and then walking amongst us and doing what he did and, and use that to show who he was and what he was and then he just gets sacrificed. He grew up from a baby to a child, you know, became a teenager, a young adult, and then, you know, as a full-grown adult, he actually started his ministry. So God is well and truly in control. He knows what we needed. And this is why we, when we come boldly in the throne room of grace, stand before the Father and the desires of our heart are met. We understand because he understood. And he basically goes to bat for us. He stands in the gap between the Father and us. And without his sacrifice and without his understanding of who we are and what we are and what makes us up, he could not really have that 
you know, that compassion. All through the Bible it talks about Jesus had compassion. Jesus wept, okay? Jesus endured 40 days in the wilderness where he was tempted. He needed to go through life the same way that we went through life, but with one small exception. He knew that he knew that he knew that he was the Son of God. And he came for a plan and a purpose. And that plan and purpose included you. So this Christmas, I want you to understand why we need to look at this from a totally different perspective. And the other thing to remember is that he came for you. Now when that when that angel first appeared to the shepherds, they actually spoke those words, right? In the town of Bethlehem, a child has been born, right? And he is he's our saviour and he's come for you. I love the ways that all through the scriptures, you know, he doesn't generalize. He he talks about he talks about the fact that it is um, it's personalized. It's personalized in such a way that you know when either Jesus is talking to us or God is talking to us or he sent angels to talk to us, always, always he personalizes it. Because we've got a now God, and He talks about things in such a such a, a, a particular way. In Luke two eleven, it says, "For this day in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, the Messiah." Now that's what I started with, but you need to clearly realize that our Saviour, who is the Christ, the Lord, the Messiah, has been born for you and me and everybody else. And this Christmas, if nothing else, we need to take the opportunity to not only reflect on this ourselves, but to understand the need for us to share that with other people. We need to know not only who he is, but why he's in our lives. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then you have to know somebody or go to your local church Almost every single church, wherever you are, will be doing something in relation to celebrating Christmas. Go in there, talk to people, and ask why they're there. Why are they using this opportunity to celebrate the birth of our Lord and the Saviour? And hopefully, every one of them will give you the same answer that I'm going to give you because not only 
we have to want him in our life, but we need him in our life. Because without him, we do not have a very good prospect ahead of us. This is a time of celebration. The two most important periods of time in the year are the birth and his death and resurrection. Without those, we have nothing. And it is sad to say that in many countries around the world, it now gets to a stage where they even downgrade it and they call it happy holidays. Another excuse for a holiday, another excuse to have a party or to go out with friends or not to go to work or whatever. But the true meaning of Christmas, and that's what this message is all about, what the true meaning of Christmas is. Jesus Christ was born, our Lord and Saviour, to come into our lives and to give us a hope and to give us love and compassion and understanding. All of the things that we desperately need or have lacked even from our natural fathers or natural parents. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. Nobody, nobody comes to the Father except through him. So without this day of celebration, and we all know that uh, the 25th of December is not the actual day when he was born. We need to understand that the importance of this day is that the fact that we celebrate it. We need to celebrate it. We need to make sure that we actually get through this season and we actually bring joy to other people's lives. Now, a lot of people bring joy to other people's lives by the giving and exchanging of gifts. But if you actually look at the true essence of it, when they actually, when Jesus was born, he also received gifts. You know, gold, frankincense and myrrh. So that was brought to him in recognition of who he was. The giving of gifts, our greatest gift, was the birth of our Lord and Saviour. So what gift are we going to be able to actually give people that are in our lives? We want to bring joy to their lives. And that starts in the natural by exchanging of gifts, coming together and having fellowship and, and sharing in a meal. But the greatest gift, I believe, is to let someone know why you have joy in your life. And I truly believe that is because you have Christ dwelling within you. I know for a fact, tell you what, you know, even when it came to going to church and, you know, like doing communion and stuff like that, I would not do that because I did not think that I was worthy. 
For many time, many, many years, even as a young Christian, I never thought that I was worthy of his love, of his grace, of his mercy, or whatever. Because the truth be known, I know me, right? And you're the same. You know yourself better than anybody else does. You know the things that you've done, whether they be good, bad, or indifferent. But in the reality, the fact is that you know every one of us breaks one or multiple uh, of the Ten Commandments. In many, many aspects, we all do it because we we are born into sin. So we live in an ungodly world. We're surrounded by ungodly people, and we are naturally influenced by people and circumstances around us. So not everything that we actually do is the what you know, God would want us to do, and and that that's that's human nature. You know, that's why He gave us our free will. So we can make choices. And no, the thing is, not all our choices are good. I mean, not all of them are bad. I'm not saying everybody goes out and breaks the law and, and does crimes and, and things like that. You know? But there's simple things you can do. You know, you get there and you get too carried away with the festivities and you have, you know, a couple of beers or a couple of Chardonnays too many. And I said, well, you know, you sit because it says you should not get you know, drunk with wine, or you're smoking, or you're, you know, having a few cursing words, or telling a few jokes that aren't exactly appropriate for most, uh, you know, family environments, and all that. The list goes on and on and on about the things that you can actually do that, in God's eyes, makes you fall short of the glory of Him. But grace abounds plentiful. And the thing is, the closer we get to God and his word, the the more we actually, I don't say that we actually change our habits, but we refine them. You know, I've actually heard this, that you know, said that, <coughs> excuse me, that some people when they get married, they say, oh, look, you know, we've been married for 20 years. And I said, yeah, now I've, ch- I've changed him and, he, and he's turned into the, to the, the man I want him to be. And I go, well, I don't agree with that. My wife married me for who I am and who I was at that particular time. The changes that I've made in my life, I've done them because I've wanted to and because I know it makes her happy. It's the same with our Lord and Saviour. We have lived a lifestyle living without God in our life for such a long time, and once we become a born-again Christian, we want to change. We want to do things differently. We want to actually be a better person. We want to spend more time reading the Word and understanding it. We want to spend time in prayer. We want to do all of these things. But the thing is, it takes time. Nothing happens overnight. So we need to understand that God knows that we're not perfect, and he, he's fully aware of that, and he's patient, and he's loving, and he's caring, and he's understanding. So this Christmas, just do one little thing to make your relationship with God just that little bit more different. And sometimes, just the subtle little changes that you make can make a huge impact 
not only in your walk with God, but your relationship with others that are around you. So try and look at it from that perspective of understanding why Jesus was born. And if you don't have a relationship with God right now, I understand that. And I'm not here to try and get you to change your mind. But what I am here to do is to try and get you to understand why we need to celebrate this special day the way that we actually do. And I want you to try and reflect just on a little bit differently. And if someone's talking to you about happy holidays, just just do that subtle little change and just say, well, thank you very much, but Merry Christmas to you and have a lovely day. Merry Christmas, the Christ is born. Jesus Christ is the reason for the season. Just remember that. Doesn't matter what you're doing, where you are, who you're with, any of this. Just remember those simple words. The reason for the season. Jesus is the reason for the season. And if nothing else, you actually remember that the reason that you're having a holiday, the reason you're able to get gifts and exchange gifts, the reason you're able to spend time with family and friends, the reason that you have joy in your life is because Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour, and I'll give you the scripture again, Luke 2.11, for this day, In the city of David, there has been born for you a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord, the Messiah. And we know that his Saviour was born for you, and he wants to save you this particular day. Now, this may be my last message for the year. I'm not too sure whether I'll get another one in, but if not... Merry Christmas and have a happy, prosperous new year because Jesus is the reason for the season. God bless you all and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening today to Grapevine Ministries with me, Phil Barker. If you enjoy this message, I encourage you to share it with someone and discuss it with a friend. Faith is better in community. You can also join in the conversation in our online community via the link in my bio or email me direct at grapevineministries155 at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe to be notified when my next message is released. See you next time.